Welcome to Locked On NFL, the number one daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. I am Brian Peacock with Matt Williamson, and you might think it's Twitter Thursday today, but you know what? We called an audible here. It is no longer going to be Twitter Thursday. We'll hit those Twitter questions tomorrow, Friday. I don't know what rhymes with F. Fan Friday. I know that the, uh, the Locked On NFL Draft guys do a Fan Friday episode, so... Uh, we'll continue to hit those questions. So you still have time to find Matt at Williamson NFL or me at BD Peacock. Tag us in those questions. We'll hit those Twitter questions on Friday's episode instead of today because, Matt, you got in the right mental space. You wanted to go do a mock draft, right? And so instead of waiting for mock draft Monday, you did it. It's fresh on your mind, and you want to roll today. So let's do this. Exactly. And we have that right. We can do whatever we want. You know, uh, you've been kind of teasing throughout the week. Hey, Matt's mock's coming soon. We did yours the other day. That was a blast. And just to pull back the curtain, this is just kind of how my process works. Like if I get assigned an article over the last 15 years or whatever, some sort of project, I don't just sit down and do it. I mean, unless it's due like, hey, can you get this to me in an hour? I mean, generally speaking, I think about it in the shower. I think about it when my wife and kids are telling me about their day. I mean, whatever, whatever you know, like I'm thinking about it until boom, now let's go. And and then when I put it to paper, usually articles, but a thing like this, it takes me very little time. It's just, it rolls like crazy. And that's how my process worked. So dinner time or so yesterday, <clears throat> I start thinking, okay, this is how I want to approach the draft. This is how I'm starting to th- see things falling I sat down and banged it out, and so I want to talk about it today. So, as you mentioned, if you want to keep getting Twitter questions in, tomorrow might be Twitter day. Maybe we'll do one segment of Twitter and then do another division. Monday could be a mock draft review from the Draft Network fellas, or that could also be some Twitter stuff. So, keep them in. We will get to your questions, but let's get rolling on this. Yeah, let's do this. You know, it's I have a similar process where it's that lightning bolt will hit you. And mm-hmm. it's not like, I don't, I'm not really good at going ABC doing things in order. I, I don't think like a lawyer, you know, I think of like all of a sudden that hits you. You talked about being in the shower or whatever. For me, it's like midnight every time midnight, I get this creative buzz that just hits my brain. It's why I'm a night owl. It's why it's hard to sleep sometimes. And sometimes that's when I do my best work. It's like, okay, boom, I got that lightning bolt. When I used to play music, that's when I would write songs. That's mm. when, you know, all this creative juice would flow for me. And that's how my mock drafts are similar way. So I understand how that is. Once it hits you, then you got to get it out and then it just rolls. And so right. now that it's fresh in your mind, I love that we're doing it today because you have all of those ideas and, and why things fit and, and things just start to make sense. Sometimes it's almost like, you know, the, uh, the meme out there where you see the person doing math, you know, in their head. Yeah. It's, it's like everything just fits all of a sudden. So let's go ahead and get this started. It's your show. I will give you my thoughts on your selections, but we're at the Cincinnati Bengals, number one. How does this mock draft look for you at the top? Yeah, and just to expand on that, I mean, it sounds like we're similar in that manner because there's been many nights where I'm laying there in bed and it's 12.30 or 1, and I'm just staring at the ceiling going, I might as well just go to my laptop now because it's time to do it. You know, like it doesn't matter what time of day it is. I work from home. I don't have to be at the office at a certain time. And I mean, I can spit out a thousand words when I'm rolling in 20 minutes sometimes just because I've thought it through throughout the day or whatever. And that's how this was. And it really flowed well. And I like how it turned out. But needless to say, Bengals are taking Burrow, but they're not even fielding offers. Boom. Forget about it. Now it gets interesting, and I took a little bit of a different approach because when I first started thinking about this mock, 
I've been very much thinking about the Chargers lately in general, thinking they should go sign Winston. They should bring, they should sign Newton. You guys are probably tired of me saying that. So I thought, okay, I'm going all in as the Chargers. I'm getting up to two for Tua, and maybe that's going to cost me more than it should, but that's the missing piece to selling jerseys and tickets, and Taylor's the perfect guy to hold down the fort. That's my last piece. And next year, maybe I'll trade back or whatever to make that happen. So I did go to the trade value chart, and there's a handful of trades in this mock, and I wanted to make them realistic. So every time I put together a package to offer the Redskins six for two, and now, of course, we'll give you more, I kept thinking, hey, if I'm the Redskins, I'm going to bounce this off the Dolphins, you know? And the Dolphins just have too many cards in their hand to compete with. I mean, they have too many picks. So I had Miami go from five to two. Washington gets number five. They get 18. And on the chart, that's basically a wash. Five and 18 will get you to two. And because there was competition for it, I said, throw in a 2021 second or third, and you can move from five to two. And so Miami did. They take two this is a question of value for Washington. The reason Washington always has Chase Young at two and the trade doesn't happen at two, trade seems to happen at three in most mock drafts, as it did in my mock draft. And then That's why I want to do something a little different. Right, too. no, and, and, and that if you're the Redskins, you have to ask yourself that question. At what point do you get more value out of five plus 18 plus a future third rounder? You might miss out on one player in Chase Young but what you can still get there, and we'll see what they get out of those trades. You give yourself so much flexibility, and when you weigh it, it's not crazy to think that, and it's just, it's gotten so much to the point where it's a foregone conclusion. Washington, it, Chase Young's too good. You can't trade out. I think that has to be a conversation, and if you're willing to trade to three, then you've probably got to be willing to trade to two because that might be the first place to do business if you're the Dolphins or the Chargers or another team trying to get up and get your quarterback. Right. I mean, getting to two gets you your guy. I mean, if and I felt like the Chargers wanted to, the Dolphins needed to, to get out of this draft with their guy that they've been coveting all along. That's why they have all these picks. So they go and get it done. And please remind me at the end, in case I forget, because I want to, I just want to demonstrate who would you rather have skins fans, Chase Young or this package that I got you from this trade. So I think that'll be interesting. Of course, the Lions then sprint to the podium and get Chase Young. Lions are in such a great spot because they, they're yeah. no lose. You either get a good player at three, no matter what, a team trades up to two, so you get an even better player at three, or a team trades with you and you get that extra value in the extra picks and probably get the same guy you wanted, five or six. So Lions are in the best spot in this draft, in my opinion. Well, maybe not the best spot because they're not at number one, but they're in a fantastic spot to get as much value as possible out of the number three pick. Yeah, and... Akuda would be great. Chase Young would be better. So you take Chase Young at three, you're very happy, wonderful. Then the Giants are up, and they're pretty much in the same situation they are no matter what. And I thought, is there a team that would trade up for Herbert? And I didn't really have that name on the tip of my tongue. So I kind of just did status quo, considered Simmons, but thought as Giants think and took the most giant human being in the draft in Mekhi Becton. Let's plug him in at right tackle. Saquon's going to run behind him. He's going to protect Jones. I think that's what they would do. I can't even think of a team that would get up there, which is why if a trade happens right. with Miami and you're the Chargers, you feel pretty good. You don't have to, you don't have to 
you might still want to trade up to four just in case, but you don't have to feel like there is a really, really good chance that someone's going to come over the top of you. And so you can sit back and draft Herbert if that's who you want at six, because it's really hard to find a team that has the ability and the need to get up that far. I think you got to go back to the Raiders who have two first round picks and they're at 12, but they've got two quarterbacks in house. It just, it would seem unlikely that any of these teams get that far up Jacksonville. And then it gets even more difficult for the teams after that. Yeah. And we'll get to it in a second because Redskins at five, I had them taking a CUDA who I just thought was best player on the board. They traded Dunbar. Norman's gone. I thought about Simmons. I thought about a tackle, but he's clearly the best corner. I think that's a pretty nice pick at five for Washington. That's a great pick. You move back to five, get the best player on the board. That's Okuda right here. Yeah. And then is that dilemma that you brought up? Chargers sit at six. I mentioned the other day, I keep hearing the Chargers don't like Herbert, which I don't believe anything this time of year. So I'm going to go back to that philosophy as opposed to the fact that they don't. I still gave him Herbert, but it gets a little hairy. If by That's why I kept bringing that up the other day, is if by chance they don't like Herbert and Miami assures themselves of getting Tua, and this is a tackle pick for the Chargers, the quarterback fits are tough. I mean, who's going to take Herbert and Love? And when we get to Love, I did have him going in the first round. I had to get a little creative to get him in the first round. Whether it's Herbert or Tua, if they don't all go by pick six, this draft could get really nuts. And my original intention was get the Chargers to two or three or four to take Tua, and then Miami's supposedly very high on Herbert. They take him at five. Everybody's happy with their quarterback. But Miami just has too much firepower, and I don't. you can't get them for these guys. So I didn't do it that way, but that was my original plan. And the trading is not done in this mock draft, Matt. If you listeners out there think you know where your team is drafting, you might be wrong. Stay tuned. You have Isaiah Simmons here, number seven to the Carolina Panthers. And it's a pick I like for the Panthers. It makes a ton of sense. There was uh, Simmons fell to seven for me. I think this is the floor, though, for Simmons, but he seems to always get to the floor. And there could be really good arguments. How hard was it to not put him in at either four for New York or five for Washington? Yeah, Absolutely. Um, Washington, they were a lot of mid-tier guys, but they did sign linebackers. They did Their corner position was weaker to me than linebacker. That's why I opted that way, but could have made an argument for Simmons, definitely to Washington and certainly to the Giants. Again, I think the Panthers sprint to the podium. I really think Matt Rule is all about speed. Keekly out, Simmons in, let's go. And then... Sometimes the draft is about runs, and we're about to see a run, aren't we, Matt? We are, and it it influenced some teams that I didn't expect in that I have Carolina going tackle, Jarek Wills, um, right tackle at Bama. I think that that was a deal breaker between them and Wirfs, and I know Wirfs can be a right tackle as well, but I just thought Wills would be opposite Humphreys, plug and play. Uh, There's a lot of directions they could have gone, but I think tackle's the smart move. Arizona, then, Arizona. Go go you said Carolina going tackle. Arizona goes tackle. Oh, I'm sorry. Arizona. Yeah. That was definitely, yeah. That's Arizona at eight going with Wills. And then I thought from a Bucks perspective, they're sitting there at 14. The Jags are on the clock now at nine. The Jags could use anything, but again, they don't have, there wasn't a great fit for them. So I made a deal for Tampa to get ahead of the Browns to make sure they got one of these tackles. 
and take Tristan Wirfs. So Tampa goes from 14 to 9. Jacksonville goes from 9, and they get 14, an early third from Tampa, and a 2021 third. So, again, they're just accumulating picks like crazy in Jacksonville, and I think they still will be very happy with what they get at 14. I like the nine spot for some trade movement, potentially. We had this question last Thursday, and someone asked what teams could move out of the top 10, and we didn't have a good answer. And both of us, when we went to our mocks, had that number nine spot moving out. For me, it was the Denver Broncos moving up. For you, I love it because Tampa seems to get that offensive tackle. And similar to the Broncos, in every mock draft, they conveniently get that top need and get the the you know the, the last guy in their tier to fall to them at 14 and to 15. And I just don't see that happening and I don't think those teams can feel comfortable that for Tampa at 14 to get their tackle and for 15 at Denver to get their wide receiver. So I love those teams trying to trade up, and this makes total sense for Jacksonville to get out of there. It's like, okay, do we draft, say, Derek Brown here, or do we potentially know that we're going to get a, a good defensive tackle still later if that's what we want or a good player at another position, a cornerback, maybe in Henderson later, and we're pretty much guaranteed one of those players if we do trade down, or do we sit here and do we like Derek Brown or whoever that much. And for Tampa, it makes a total sense just to make sure they go up and get their tackle, which is important for this team that's in win-now mode. Yeah, I mean, my thoughts were, I'm Tampa sitting there at 14. I've seen eight picks go off the board. Two tackles are already gone. The Browns at 10 are almost surely going to take one, and I did have them taking Andrew Thomas. So if I want one of these four, I got to get in the top 11 or the top 10 and I just told Tom that I'm going to get him a tackle in the first round. I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's maybe uh, <laughs> it's maybe pretty important for Tom to be like, okay, maybe Tom's even in the draft room or on the Zoom conference. Like, are we going to get that tackle yet? Come on, guys. Uh, right. We're on pick You're nine and two tackles are gone. 12 decks, you know, right. So that was I'm the run. That was the tackle run. Three tackles in a row after Becton goes at four. We had Cardinals, Bucks trading up, and then Browns taking three tackles in a row. Wills, Wirfs and Andrew Thomas in that order, and that is the end of the offensive tackle tier. So what happens next? We go on another run, right? We did, and I didn't design it this way, but there certainly are some runs throughout this draft, and this is three receivers in a row, Jets, Judy, Raiders, Lamb, Niners, Rugs, and frankly, I could see the Jets taking Rugs, and I could see the Raiders taking Rugs, but... I think all those teams would be very happy with that. It's a, it's a very need-based and matching value. And boom, I think all those teams would be thrilled. Your, your Niners would be happy with rugs at you know, 13, right? Absolutely. I think the 49ers right now, best case scenario, at least one of those three wide receivers makes it to the Niners. Judy Lamb rugs is the order I have them in. I think maybe some teams would prefer lambs. Some teams would prefer rugs, but Judy to me is the the number one guy and he should go number one to the jets in this scenario. And it's funny because a lot of teams will want to get in front of the jets because they want a wide receiver. And a lot of teams might want to get in front of the jets because they want to tackle because uh, the jets are in a really yeah. good spot to get one of those two positions and they don't really have to move or do anything because they're pretty much guaranteed to get one of those two. Since the tackles went, they go wide receiver. That's an easy pick. Yeah. And every mock in the world is the Raiders taking a receiver at 12 They'll get one of those three, I think. The only question for the Raiders is, do you think if they're going wide receiver corner, which is pretty much the common scenario for them, do you think they could mm -hmm. they like the second tier of wide receiver better and they go corner and get, say, Henderson at 12, wide receiver at 19 and be in front of that tier and assured that they're going to get a guy there? Or do you like that second tier of corners better at 19 and you go for the wide receiver at 12? 
Henderson's the only one I would consider at 12, assuming Akuda's gone. And I just don't think he's as good a prospect as Judy Ruggs Lamb. I agree. Yeah, I think you do you know go wide I mean? receiver if you're the Raiders. I love the fit. I think Lamb is both a Mayock guy and a Gruden guy. Rugs Niners need that speed. They need that X split end wide receiver to go with Debo, who's going to do the stuff in motion and uh, be more of a flanker role. So that's a great fit. And then the Jacksonville Jaguars, lo and behold, another great trade for a team that gets the same guy I probably would have had them taking at nine. Right, and they end up with Derek Brown. And this is one of the picks I felt bad about because I really don't think Derek Brown is certainly the 14th best player in this draft or last this long, but there's not a lot of obvious fits for him. So we have a mini run here of D-tackle, D-tackle again. Jacksonville, I think, would do cartwheels at 14 to pick up Derek Brown. And, oh, by the way, they picked up two-thirds in the process. And Denver kind of gets into a little bit of no man's land. It gets shut out a little bit because they don't get their receiver. So I just went for best player available, and that was Kinlaw. I know they traded for Casey, but they've had a lot of movement with their defensive front. And if you got Kinlaw, Casey, and those two edge dudes, that's a pretty dangerous situation for Denver's pass rush. Yeah, and then Kinlaw rushes as a defensive tackle when you're in nickel. And for Vic Fangio's 3-4 defense, he's that perfect fit for five tackle defensive end so size pass rush uh, he's a monster and I do like Kinlaw at the end of that uh, top tier of players that we had talked about there's a there's a line after 16 and, and Matt you had the same top 16 players in a different order that I had in the top 16. Yeah I mean I really do think there are 16 premier players with CJ Henderson probably being the 16th of them Atlanta grabs them gladly I think you know best defensive player available need position true fonts gone I'll take Henderson for the Falcons. I'm sure they'd be very happy with that. Fantastic fit. Fantastic fit. Love Henderson for the Falcons. There's, I don't know if another team might say, you know what, we need cornerback early and grab him, but Falcons are in a good spot knowing that they get a chance at one of those blue chippers. And all it takes is one, though, for maybe one of those blue chippers to fall to the Cowboys at 17. It didn't happen here. I love the idea of the Cowboys potentially trading out if they get to 17. They don't have that obvious blue chip need. I had them maybe reaching slightly for the best interior offensive lineman in the draft in Cesar Ruiz, but you have something else happening at 17, which I like. Well, I stole from him from you a little bit because I, I didn't have a defensive player that I love there, you know, a, a corner, a safety, a defensive end that I adored for Dallas. So I'm looking to trade back, and I traded them with the Vikings, who had some extra draft capital. Dallas goes to 22 and this is where I stole from you. They did take Ruiz at 22 <laughs> at center. You know, a little uh, spoiler alert. Yeah, better at but 22 thought, than 17. I thought the Vikings, there's so many, trading up for receiver sounds like bad business, but I thought the Vikings would be really, really high on Jefferson because both Thielen and Diggs could play inside. They could play outside. I think Jefferson would be the guy they covet the most. So Dallas goes from 17 to 22. They pick up a third from the Vikes, and they pick up a 2021 fourth. So, yeah, I'll take those picks. And there wasn't somebody I loved at 17. Vikes get the receiver they need so badly, and it doesn't kill them with early picks. Vikings are an interesting spot there because they have those two first-round picks. And most teams most years have around 20 first-round quote-unquote, first-round grades. You and I have talked about how there's 16 of those guys for us in this draft. Other players that are first-round worthy, but you know, in that certain group of players, you feel really great about drafting in the first round. Vikings, two first-round picks in win-now mode, 
why not go up a few picks? Make sure you get one of your guys that's in that group. And there might be some teams that say, you know, they might have Jefferson a lot closer to that top tier of wide receivers than some other teams. Go get your guy and make sure you snatch him in front of teams like the Eagles uh, that might be taking a wide receiver in front of you at 22. Yeah, and that was my my logic too. And and I thought Washington might grab him. Remember, they have the 18th pick now from their Miami trade. And then I, I think Washington would have taken him, to be very honest. And when they didn't, they start fielding calls. And this one I manufactured a little bit to get Jordan Love in the first round because I really don't know how many teams would trade in to go get him. So what I did was the Colts had the very early second, number 34, as well as 44. So I traded 34 and 44 to get to 18, which actually is more value on the trade chart than number 18. You wouldn't think it would, but early seconds have a lot of value. Mm -hmm. And if you're Washington, you you trade it down once, you're going to add three premier prospects now in the top 44 as opposed to just one. So I had the Colts trade up, go get Jordan Love, which I don't adore that. And then they're going to field calls for Brissett. They're going to call Belichick up, see what they can get from, from Brissett. And they kind of look at this offseason like totally revamped our quarterback room, kept Costanzo, grabbed Buckner, and let's go. But that kind of leaves them a little short at receiver. But I wanted to get love in the first round, and they were about the only team I could come up with that would make a reasonable offer to jump in this neighborhood. And wide receivers still deep, so they can still draft some guys mm-hmm. later and try to do something there at that position. And interesting that Washington gets their pick 34 back that they had traded long ago to Indianapolis. Yeah, right. And again, we'll talk at the end of this. What did Washington end up with, Chase Young or XXX? More mock coming up, more trades, the exciting conclusion of Matt Williamson's 2020 mock draft. Now we start a little bit of a corner run, which I expect to happen around this area of the draft. There's a lot of corners. There's a lot of needs that fit there. You mentioned the Raiders before. Should you go corner first, receiver first? Well, they already have the receiver. I gave him Christian Fulton. Love it. That's a great fit there, I think. Yeah. And then Jacksonville's back up. They already have Brown. So the defensive line looks pretty shored up, especially a tackle. They need a corner bad. They take A.J. Terrell. And frankly, I don't have a huge preference of the order of these corners, but that's just kind of the way they fell for me. They ran well. They worked out and ran well. I think it's going to be a huge advantage for those guys that did that, like Fulton uh, and Terrell especially, to to show off what they have while other corners that have, like say, um, Trayvon Diggs is is a perfect example because his question is speed, and he couldn't throw his number out there in his workout times. That's going to kick him out of the first round, I think, for me. It could, it could. I mean, we'll get to him in a moment here, but the Eagles at 21, I, I, I really have warmed up to Denzel Mims in the last couple of days. I went back and watched them this morning, actually. Downfield threat with size. They don't have a receiver that really resembles his profile, especially with the downfield ability. Massive upside. I think if you told every Eagles fan, you're going to get Mims at 21, they should be really happy and just say, yep, I'll take it. Yeah, it's a good fit. Perimeter guy down the field. His work on the sideline, acrobatic, can go up and make catches. He can fly. He can get open deep. I think he still has some work to do as a route runner uh, with some of the uh, the shorter routes, even though he showed a crazy three-cone time at the combine. Might not play to that sort of quickness, but he's, he's a rare athlete with what he can do at his size and his athletic ability and his speed. Double catches the ball at times. If he had mm-hmm. a little bit cleaner hands, then I would say, oh, no doubt, put him even closer to that top group of wide receivers because he's yeah. got that much ability. That much ability. He really does. 
And he doesn't need to be counted on to be, you know, a hundred catch guy this year. Ertz and Goddard and those guys will be fine. And that really completes their offense to me. This brings us to Dallas, who moved back a handful of spots. They picked up a couple of valuable picks in the process. Get their center, keep a strength of real strength. I know they have Looney. I considered, you know, a corner at this spot. I considered some of these edge guys, but I just didn't love the edge guys. So I stole from you and put Ruiz there. We talked about this the other day, so we probably don't need to spend a lot of time on that. No, but the next pick, Zach Bond, linebacker to the New England Patriots, is a great fit. I did not have He's just such a Patriot. Yeah, I didn't have Bond in the first round, but you think of Cal Vanoy, that style of player. I mean, that's ideal for the Patriots. Try hard guy, the way he plays, his motor, definitely a Belichick type. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to give them a high end tight end, a high end pass rusher. I hate to try to get in Belichick's head, but I bet he adores Zach Bond. And it's perfect fit. Maybe you could get him a few picks later. They have a lot of picks. Go get a Patriot type guy. New Orleans Saints, pick 24, Jalen Johnson, corner out of Utah. Yeah, again, we go back-to-back corners here again. The Vikings get their corner, much like Oakland going receiver corner. The Vikes get that there's a 25. The Saints get theirs a 24. I gave Gladney to Minnesota, Johnson to New Orleans. Um, I didn't have a great fit here. I, may, I probably would have taken Mims for the Saints. But I still have a little bit of hope for Traquan Smith and Manuel Sanders as a short-term Band-Aid that, that should you know keep that receiver position pretty strong. If you could put a quality guy opposite Lattimore, you know they lost Eli Apple. I, I think the corner is a pretty big need for them. And it's a huge need for the Vikings. Absolutely. Huge need for the Vikings. Huge need for a lot of teams at the end of round one, which is where we can see a run on a lot of these corners, which is why I've talked about how it's such an advantage for some of those guys that did run well and were able to run at the combine. Jeff Gladney going here to the Vikings, and he didn't run. I mean, he, he's not a specimen, but so scrappy. Defensive coaches are going to put on the film. Scouts will be like, yeah, I like him a lot. Coaches are going to put on the film and be like, I put, give me that guy. I want that guy on my team. Yeah, and Zimmer's making the call there, and I think he's a very Zimmer-like player. I had but, Joshua Jones going to the Dolphins at 18, but trading 26. Matt, you had him trading 18 and taking Jones. Nice value here at 26. Yeah, and there's a couple spots he could have landed in between without question. Maybe Jacksonville, um, Washington if they would have stayed at 18. But you end up, you know, if you're the Dolphins – and you have all your seconds and thirds and all those things still left from this year, and you end up with a left tackle and Tua, I think you're pretty happy when day one's over. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, if they can if they yeah. can attack that, they get their quarterback and their offensive tackle out of round one alone, I think you're solid if you're the Miami Dolphins, uh, even if they have to give up 18 instead of 26 to do it. The Seattle Seahawks go get their pass rusher, speed guy that they really haven't had since Cliff Averill left. Yeah, I gave him chase on from LSU who I'm not super fond of, but I do think he'll be a first-round pick. Their edge pass rush is problematic. I know they drafted a guy there in the first round last year, but that didn't yield much. Maybe they add Clowney and avoid this whole situation. Uh, they could always go O-line, but there wasn't somebody that just jumped off the board for me O-line. Um, well, there's one guy I kind of liked I considered. Um, I considered Austin Jackson here, too. Um, I also thought about Gross Matos. So I think a, a, a pass rusher to Seattle makes a lot of sense. Chase on so hard for me because I think you see mocks and I think a lot of people might consider them as part of their blue chip group. 
which might be, you know, 17 if he was in there. For me, it's 16 guys, and he's outside of that. Jordan Love could go in that top 16 players because you never know how quarterbacks are going to go and how a team falls in love with a certain QB. So that could push some players down to the later teens that I wouldn't expect to be there. But I'm with you. Chase On's just not in that group for me. And then if he does fall out of that group, I think it's all about fit and finding a, a, a multiple defense. And for that Leo spot, like Averill used to play for the Seahawks. I do like that fit. And when you get into the 20s, just the high level of athlete of Chase on it's it's at some point you just got to draft that player and hope you can develop him. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Averill because that was exactly who I thought. And they've really missed that guy. Like they've tried to find their Averill, their stand-up, flexible, maybe drop him into coverage here and there type of guy. And I think this is that's why I picked him over Gross Maltos for them. Baltimore Ravens, same pick I had Monday, linebacker Kenneth Murray. It's a pretty easy pick at this point. I I yeah. originally thought maybe this would be a good spot for Cesar Ruiz, but when he goes before the Baltimore Ravens, and that's one of the things people say, oh, trade down in the second round, you'll get Cesar Ruiz. No, I just don't think you're going to get there. There's always Every year, there's the top interior lineman goes before that, so I think that's going to be the same this year. Maybe he gets to 28, in which I would like that, but Kenneth Murray is just need meets value, perfect fit there. Yeah, I mean, the middle of their defense, the second level of their defense is really in bad shape right now. And you put an athlete there that can really cover a lot of space. I think that makes perfect sense. Because they have so many day, you know, second, third, fourth round picks, I almost got a little crazy and put Jonathan Taylor here just because what a nightmare that running game would Mm. still be. Uh, just because it had been so fun, but I took the need guy. Right. There's a few spots at the end of the first round. It's like, okay, this could be a running back. I could see the team going, and you yeah. could totally see a team having Swift or Jonathan Taylor or even Dobbins as their number one player on their board when they get to this point. And some teams just say, this is our best player. Let's draft the best player. But positional value, even at linebacker, defensive end, corner at the end of the round, wide receiver, I think a lot of teams are going to go that route. But I wouldn't be shocked if one of those running backs starts to go here. Yeah, and I thought about it with Tennessee here, 29. Bring in Jonathan Taylor, run the same offense, send Henry on his way after this year, obvious in-house replacement, keep doing what you're doing. And they've apparently been talking to Clowney too, but I went with Gross Matos. I mean, I'm going to take an edge guy over a running back is what that came down to. And I think there's just a bigger need right now too. Especially an edge guy with this many traits that could be like that prototype yes. player, even though there's still some growth he needs to have as a player. And if he does get to 29, it's I think you just have to make that call if you're the Titans. It's a great fit. They would love to have Matos. Here's one that I think people can question, and that's the Packers. I had them take Patrick Queen. Um, I know they made a change at linebacker. You know, Martinez is out. but And Kirksey's hurt a lot, though. I just think that that would kind of complete their defense, too. Wide receivers and one I absolutely thought of, and Rager would have been my pick there. I was torn, and I think you can make an argument either way on that one. Yeah, I think Queen is definitely a a late-round one player. I think some teams won't like his size. I think some teams will love his coverage ability and don't care about his size and his instincts. But with the Packers, yeah, there's still so many other needs. I could see Packers fans being like, oh, Queen, come on, we need wide receiver, we need offensive tackle, we need whatever, a number of positions. But Queen... At 30, I think is a fine value. So I, I I can't argue with this pick too much, but there might be bigger needs. But the Packers might be able to find those needs later and be able to attack that in round two. Yeah, I thought they might. They have a pretty good chance of finding a receiver they'll like, you know, coming yeah. up here on day two. I also considered Austin Jackson for the Packers to be a Belaga replacement. Maybe he red shirts for a year or kicks to a different position. And I think he's going to be a first rounder, giving us six offensive tackles. 
So what I did was I had your Niners. I didn't have a, a guy that just jumped off the page for me with the Niners after having Henry Ruggs on board. So the Niners just moved from 31 to 34, and the Redskins throw in pick 122. So San Fran picks up a, a much-needed you know, early mid-round pick type of guy. And then I have Washington taking Austin Jackson, who in the end then, so here's what happened. I mean, I know we have one more pick in this round. But Washington, when they're all said and done, instead of Chase Young, ended up with Akuda, an offensive tackle who has a lot of ability in Austin Jackson. And then they're on the board again in, in, in the 12th pick in the second round with spot 44. So you're going to get a receiver there or your choice of tight ends. I would rather have those three when it's all said and done than Chase Young. And the, the gap from Young to Akuda isn't massive. And the other question was, so there's three trades in total by Washington here. Mm -hmm. And the other question would be if they would prefer, so you could get Chase Young and then, or the haul that you gave them after all three trades or subtract one of the trades at 18 and then just go um, Josh Jones, who is still on the board at 18. Right. That's that's another option that, that, that would be interesting for me. And I wonder if that would be enough for Washington fans after that trade, just with, Five and eighteen. So, uh, interesting scenario there. Uh, we do have one more pick. Yeah, Kansas City Chiefs finishing up round one with. I would have loved to given them Murray or Queen, and then I just thought they're both gone. I don't have another linebacker I can put in there. Corner is a huge need. They don't have a real big-bodied corner, so I'm going to give them something a little different than what they've had. And I gave them Trevon Diggs. There's a lot of corners I see in round two of some mocks, and when I ran through this thing and I watch it with what you have. I realize, you know what? The run on corners is going to dry up in round two at some point. So yeah. if you're the Chiefs and you want a cornerback, I don't think you can wait until 64 because I think it's going to dry up a lot sooner. There might be somebody on the board still, but might have some warts and more than you're comfortable with. I think that run and people are going to try really hard to get their cornerback in that top 50 range because it might start to it might start to dry up quite a bit after that. Yeah, and I thought about trading out if I was the Chiefs, but you got some pretty bad teams at the top of round two that could all use corners. Detroit comes to mind. So just give me a big physical guy and, and digs, and so be it. You know, I mean, you're a pretty good team anyways. Go get a premium position for the Super Bowl champ. We're out of time here. Was there any big takeaways, anything that surprised you? I know I see zero safeties in your mock. That, that's the one name, Xavier McKinney, that I think will be a first, I just couldn't get him in there. You know, I mean, that, there's only 32 spots. I mean, we, I, if, if you sat there and you named names off to me, you know, uh, Jeff Gladney, is he going to be a first? Yeah, I think so. I'd probably say yes to 38 names, <laughs> you know. Are there any names that people aren't talking about that you think, okay, this guy is going to go a lot higher than people expect, maybe in the first round, maybe even high in the first round? Um, I, I, maybe some of our listeners were shocked that I had Zach Bond as a first. I think that he will be a first. I think Cesar Ruiz, to your point, will be a first. It's such a weak interior class that if you can get the one tried and true high player there to fill in a need, plug in a center for eight years, 10 years, that has a lot of value. And I don't know if it's a huge shock, but I think the corners – are going to go. And, uh, you know, in the second half of this draft, I think when it's all said and done, we probably will have seven corners in the first round, maybe 10 in the top 40 or so. 
it's amazing. Every single team, when you look at their needs, they need a wide receiver, they need a corner, they need a pass rusher, and they need an offensive, most likely offensive tackle, but right. some, a lot of interior guys too. It's amazing how many teams don't have five starting caliber offensive linemen and going into the draft is your last chance to get one. Yeah, and of those groups, they're all pretty strong except for edge pass rusher. So I had a lot of corners go. I had six tackles go. I had a lot of receivers go, and there's still a lot floating out there. And an awful lot of corners, to your point. I mean, those are high-value position players. Like the pro football focuses of the world, the football outsiders of the world, tell you just keep drafting corners, keep drafting receivers, keep drafting pass rushers, keep taking tackles. You know, guys that influence the passing game. All right, that was Matt Williamson's mock draft round one for 2020. Hit him up at Williamson NFL if you loved it. If you didn't like it, uh, you can also let us know at BD Peacock or at Williamson NFL for tomorrow's Twitter episode. There is a tweet out there floating around that you can respond to or just tag us and we'll find it and we'll get you in on Friday's Twitter episode. Talk to you then right here, Locked on NFL.